Welcome to the Undercurrent Podcast. I'm your host, Liana Lumawig, life coach, surfer, and ex-corporate girl living in Bali. I've been in unfulfilling jobs and relationships that used to drain my energy and confidence to the point where I was miserable. If you can relate, this podcast is for you. I'm here to tell you that you don't have to stay stuck and settle for anything less than what makes you happy. You can choose how to work, love, and live on your terms. And this podcast will show you how. Let's dive in. Welcome back to the Undercurrent Podcast. It's a solo episode today. It's been a while since I've done one of these. And I'm going to talk about a topic that is really special to me. It comes up in a lot of my sessions with my clients, and it's come up a lot in my life as well. And it's all about procrastination. Are you someone who identifies as a procrastinator? Do you find yourself doing all the tasks on your to-do list except for the ones that are really important? Or maybe it's not even on your to-do list at all. Do you scroll on social media or shop on Amazon or research all of the travel destinations that you want to go to and visit instead of getting your work done? Same. But you know what? Everybody procrastinates sometimes, right? So I've lived my life believing that I was a chronic procrastinator. In college, I remember being assigned a 20 page paper and I had all semester to complete it. But you know, when I started, it was only a couple of days before it was due. But my college brain was like, oh, that's plenty enough time. If I just work on only that for a couple of days, I'll be fine. And I ended up spending the entire night up all night the night before frantically writing just to get it done. I didn't even care about the quality. I just wanted to get it done. And I was super desperate to just complete it. And I was so tired the next morning, super tired. I walked into my class late, still in my PJ bottoms with all my classmates staring at me. I dropped my paper off on my professor's desk as he was lecturing the class I was supposed to be in. And then I walked out. I had zero capacity to take in any learning that day, but I did learn one lesson and I changed my major shortly after that experience. Cause I was like, no, I am not going to do another 20 page paper again. So I chose a major that didn't involve writing such long pages of papers. So while that didn't cure my procrastination, it did help me get through college easier. So what is procrastination anyway? So the word procrastination comes from the Latin term procrastinus, which basically means for tomorrow. So the definition of procrastination is the voluntary delay of an intended action, despite knowing that you'll be probably worse off. So sometimes Deferring an action can be a good thing, right? So like taking a break before you're writing an angry email or having like an angry conversation, meditating on a thought before sharing a big idea. Most of the time though, procrastination is not a conscious behavior. So it's more of an avoidance thing. Sometimes when we procrastinate, we can still be productive, right? Do you ever find yourself organizing your closet or pulling weeds in your yard or doing other random things to distract yourself from doing the very thing you actually need to be doing. Maybe like work stuff or having a hard conversation or exercising at the gym. 
This is called structured procrastination. It's when you avoid an important or unpleasant or stressful task and replacing it with less important and less stressful tasks. But they can also be considered productive. But it's not the thing that you need to be doing. So we all do it. But why do we procrastinate? Like it doesn't make any sense, right? It's not because we're lazy, because there's nothing lazy about pulling weeds, right? There's nothing lazy about organizing your closet. Like there's this misconception that procrastinators are lazy or that they suck at time management. And while this might be the case sometimes, it goes a little deeper than that, a lot deeper. Procrastination has more to do with how you regulate your emotions than how you manage your time. In a 2013 study, Dr. Pitchell and Dr. Saroy found that procrastination is a form self-regulation failure that involves the primacy of short-term mood repair and emotion regulation over the longer-term pursuit of intended actions, which basically means that we have something difficult or stressful, right, that we have to do, but we have trouble regulating our emotions around it. We'll prioritize leveling out our mood and doing anything that we can to make ourselves feel better in the short term and push away the harder task. And no, it doesn't make sense. And it seems pretty irrational to do something else other than the thing that we really want to do. But we're all pretty irrational human beings. Like here's an example. Have you ever set your alarm clock for a super early wake up time, like 5 a.m. for a crazy intense workout class or something, something like that? You put your clothes aside, you pack all your things, you get everything ready the night before. And you think to yourself, yes, tomorrow is going to be the day that I am finally going to make a habit of this whole gym experience. Then 5 a.m. rolls around and you hear the sound of the alarm clock and you're thinking, who in their right mind would wake up this early? It's dark outside. It's cold. I'm here in my bed. It's super warm and cozy. And then you go back to sleep or press snooze like a dozen times. And that's what happens often. And that's what happened to me. And I'm guessing you also have experiences like that too. And There's a part of us that really wants to do the right thing, you know, go to the gym, organize your inbox to zero, meditate every day. And we have every intention of doing these things. But there's another side of us that likes the comfort of our warm beds way too much to get up super early and can't be bothered to like go work out at that hour. Sounds irrational, but it's totally normal. It's essentially two parts of our brain making decisions for us at different times, the executive brain and the emotional brain. Let me explain this in a textbook analogy. Psychologist Jonathan Haidt introduces the metaphor of the elephant and the writer. He says that we have two sides of thinking, the emotional side and the analytical side. The emotional side is the elephant and the analytical or rational side is its writer. The writer, the rational part of our brain, is the one that's supposed to be in control. It holds the reins. It's the one that sets the alarm for 5 a.m. to get up. It's the part of our brain that does the planning, the scheduling, the saving money, etc. And the elephant is the emotional part of our brain that bases decision-making on feelings. And it often works on autopilot. Your elephant helps you snooze the alarm to help you stay comfy and warm in bed. The part of your brain that says YOLO and decides to eat all the ice cream in the tub, even though the writer wants you to stay healthy. 
And no, you're not crazy for going back and forth between wanting something and then doing the opposite. We all do this. Some do it occasionally. And others have a more chronic pattern of procrastination, which does have the potential to negatively impact your mental health, your work life, and your social life. It's not considered a mental health issue, but it can be characteristic of mental health issues like ADHD, depression, and anxiety. And procrastination can be more apparent in people from marginalized groups like women, people of color, and LGBT. They might feel lazy or procrastinate because of oppression like racism, sexism, homophobia, and there's actually a term for it called learned helplessness. So learned helplessness is a condition that happens when someone repeatedly faces a negative, uncontrollable situation and stops trying to change their circumstances, even when they have the ability to do so. I can say that I've fallen into learned helplessness in my career before. Like when I would start a new job and people couldn't figure out what race I was, they would ask me things like, where are you from? Like, where are you really from? Or what are you? Like, what kind of Asian are you? Oh, you don't look like a normal Filipino. Or another instance where I was in a meeting and we were brainstorming ideas with my boss and my team. And I came up with an idea and I shared it and nobody really responded to it. And later on in the meeting, my male colleague shared that same exact idea and he got positive responses from everyone in the room, including my boss. And there was another time when I joined a team and everyone in the office called me by another woman's name just because she was also an Asian woman who worked on the same floor. So these are microaggressions and they don't seem like a big deal, but they do take a toll when you add them all up. And I noticed my motivation and excitement decline in my work. I wasn't as energetic in meetings and I often felt inferior to my male colleagues. So for minority groups and marginalized groups, it's a psychological construct that can help us understand why some of us might feel lazy and inadequate. And this is how sociocultural oppression like racism can lead to learned helplessness and the lack of motivation and procrastination. So if you're experiencing something like this in your workplace or even outside and you don't know why you're feeling a lack of motivation or you're procrastinating around it, this could also be something that might explain it. How do we stop procrastinating? I've got nine tips for you. Number one, allocate a specific time that you want to use for a certain task. If you know something's going to take an hour, schedule it on your calendar, like from 2 to 3 p.m. I'm going to do this. If you don't, you'll end up getting distracted and getting on your phone or something. And then you'll look up and then it's 5 p.m. And you don't even realize where all the time is gone. Number two, get rid of your distractions. If you know you need to do something and you know what your triggers are, like social media, texts, getting up to make some coffee, doing a load of laundry during your work day. If you're working from home, try to eliminate them from your deep work hours. Put your phone on airplane mode or put it in another room. Have your coffee and water next to you as you begin your deep work. Schedule your laundry for another time and get to work. Number three, try blocking out your hours, like using the Pomodoro method, which is working in 30 minute chunks. 
First, you work for 25 minutes on and then you do five minutes off. This way, you'll be able to take frequent breaks so you don't burn yourself out. Number four, don't overload your to-do list with a ton of things. Sometimes that can be stressful for people. So I used to have a to-do list that was never ending. The to-do list would always grow larger at the end of the day than it was when I first started because I would put everything on it. So instead of overloading your to-do list, focus on three to five things that you really want to get done that day and tackle one big domino on your list at a time. When we check off our to-do list at the end of the day, we feel good. We feel energetic and motivated. If we leave at the end of the day and we have more items on our to-do list than we've started, it can be really demotivating and drain your energy. And if you want, at the end of the day, you finish these three to five things, then whatever you finished after that is just icing on the cake. Number five, track your time. The first step of behavioral change is observation. If you realize how much time you're spending on random things that you don't actually need to do, it might help you see how much time you really do have and motivate you to get the right things done. Number six, do the hard thing first. Don't give yourself time to think about doing anything else. Just do it while you have the headspace and the energy. Then you can use the rest of the day to work on other tasks on your list with less stress because the big important thing is already done. For me, I like to go to the gym first thing in the morning because when I don't, I spend all day thinking about, oh, maybe I should go in the afternoon and it's taking up energy and headspace for me. And sometimes when I don't end up going, I get disappointed and I feel like lethargic and it just doesn't end up being a good day for me when I'm thinking about something else and I don't end up doing it. Number seven, create a rhythm. Our emotional brain loves patterns and habits. So if we create a system in which we do our work in the same reliable place and fashion, we get used to it. And it won't be so hard because tasks can sometimes seem more difficult when we're uncertain of how we're going to go about it. When we eliminate the uncertainty around it, there's less friction and it's much easier to complete. Number eight, hack your reward system. Tell yourself that you'll do something nice after you complete a big task. It could be watching an episode of your favorite TV show, getting your nails done, treating yourself to a nice lunch. Time spent doing something pleasurable for yourself is time well spent and it's productive in my book. And number nine is practice mindfulness. The best place to stop procrastinating is to become more self-aware through creating a mindfulness practice. Research shows that the more mindful we are, the less we'll procrastinate. Mindfulness affects our psychological well-being in a really positive way. And it also gives us the opportunity to meet ourselves with kindness and self-compassion. The more that we show forgiveness and compassion to ourselves, the less likely we are to procrastinate in the future. So if you want to broaden your mindfulness practice, here are a few habits that I frequently use. Meditation, ranging from five minutes to one hour a day. If you've never meditated before, it's all good. Don't worry about doing it wrong. Distractions will come and they're totally normal. Start small and try one minute per day at first. Then tack on more minutes as you build a consistent practice. Two, journaling. Typically in the morning I do this, but any time of the day will do. Sometimes I'll do a brain dump of whatever I'm thinking about. It can be a random frivolous topic or it can be really meaningful. 
when I get stuck and I don't know what to say in my journal, I just write what I'm really trying to say is, and it usually gets me flowing again. Three is nature walks. I really like walking on the beach, but even walking around the neighborhood works, just getting out of your space. The mixture of being outside and moving my body gives me more access to my inner world. Four is naming my emotions. This one's easier said than done, and it's a powerful exercise. When we name our emotions and express our internal experiences, it gives space for them to get unstuck and flow through you. And I've actually got a guide for this and you can download this free guide. It's a PDF and I'll put a link for it in the show notes. Number five is therapy and coaching. So I've done been doing this for years and therapy and coaching helps me dig deep into what my blind spots are that I might have trouble seeing on my own. So to sum it up, Today is yesterday's tomorrow. And instead of getting down on yourself for not doing all the things, take a moment and pause. Slow down to speed up. And it might seem counterintuitive, but going inward and listening to yourself more intently might give you the insight you need to break through the hard habit of procrastination. So I'd love to hear from you. Which of these practices would you like to start doing? And which of them would help you in your mind stop procrastinating if that's a habit that you'd like to break. Send me a DM on Instagram and let me know at the undercurrent podcast. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the undercurrent podcast. If we're not yet connected on Instagram, give me a follow at Liana Lumawig and at the undercurrent podcast. For more tips on how to design your life on your terms, or if you'd like to reach out, visit lianalumawi.com, or you can always DM me on Instagram at The Undercurrent Podcast. Take care, my friends, and see you next week.